I'm Brian Myers. I'm Mike Ritalik. I'm Becky Haddad. And this is Owl Pellets, a podcast featuring tips for ag teachers. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. Hey, Al Pellets, welcome back to another one of our special conversations around the idea of mentoring. This is Al Pellets, and I am Brian, and I am here with Becky and Mike, once again by the Al Pellet. And Becky is leading us through this great series around mentoring because, is it, well, I'll pose this question. Is it because (laughs) she gets outstanding mentoring from Mike and I, or is it because she provides great mentoring to us? And with that, we're talking about the National Academy. <laughs> I thought it was rhetorical as well. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. The fifth. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Um, but in all seriousness, we are talking about the mentoring in STEM report from the National Academies Press. And their focus is, as we said in a previous episode, really focused on mentoring in undergrad and grad programs in STEM. Um, we're taking the the nuggets from that report to really kind of think about how can we apply this in school-based ag ed for the students that we're mentoring for our own mentoring network. And then even more broadly for our state mentoring programs as we think about those. And so in our last episode, we defined STEM, I won't, or define mentoring. I won't go back through the whole definition again, because it makes both Brian and Mike roll their eyes, which you can't see in audio form, but, but they can hear it. They can hear it. it. They, it can, they can hear the, it eye happens. Roll. You start reading it and they just whoosh, glaze over um, but we do want to spend some time today talking a little bit more about these these things that we're mentoring around um, and kind of where this happens in terms of career support and psychosocial support as being really important pieces of how and where mentoring happens. And so career support being that career guidance, skill development, and sponsorship. And I think when we think about that, that first piece of the definition, really talking about it being a, there, there's a professional piece to this. And when we talk about career guidance, I think there are some places where that could happen really organically for us that we don't always think about, oh, hey, yeah, this this is in fact mentoring, career guidance is happening. And there are some places where maybe we forget that that's something that should be should be a big piece of how that how that unfolds. And I and I think sponsorship's probably one of those new terms that if we talk about mentorship, uh, we probably haven't really talked much about uh, sponsorship. And as the article kind of defines it, it's really the potential career support functions that involve a senior person publicly acknowledging the achievements of and advocating for a mentee. And so I think, you know, perhaps some of us organically, that happens kind of naturally for us. But I think for others, one of the things that we can think about is really how, how do we sponsor and support? So how do we put up colleagues for awards and for recognition and you know, just giving them credit when you're sitting in a a group of friends and a group of colleagues and talking at the state egg teachers conference and and sharing how awesome the work that they do or some of the things that may be happening locally in in their community that we may not hear about, but as a mentor, you know, and so sharing that more publicly and giving them credit and kudos for the types of activities and, and the things that they're doing really, really well. Yeah. That, that whole piece around, uh, being public, I thought was was very important. It's not just about the fact that you're that you're, you're not supporting somebody by just telling, "Hey, you're doing a great job." It's that you're telling other people 
that they're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. And you're advocating for them because you, you think about the number of connections, the number of, of really cool projects, the number of really cool people you've hired or got to work with that you found because of somebody you trusted told you about them. And, and, and that's not all that the supporting mentoring role is about, but it's a big part of it. It's about really, and I guess one thing I'm struggling with, is, is it endorsing? Is, 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 a, is supporting the same as an endorsement? But maybe maybe it is, maybe it's not. Maybe there's different dimensions to it, but it's it's that public recognition. And, and part of it, I think you're right, Mike, is putting people up for awards. But part of it is that informal, non-formal, in conversations, just saying, hey, you need to go check out so-and-so's work or making introductions like here's this new person let me go introduce you to them why don't you go have dinner with us and let me introduce you to these other these other folks in in my circle to basically expand that that circle of, of influence i think there's been a lot of buzz in the business community about sponsorship and the really how promotion happens how you advance in your career how these other opportunities come up is is from this sponsorship as in terms of it's it's that mechanism really by which people know who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that also then gives me a little bit of pause. A big piece of this chapter was also really thinking about this assumed social capital. And as a mentor thinking about, okay, well, who do I, who do I mention? Um, but also thinking as, as a mentee, who do I have access to who would, who would do that for me? And so thinking, I mean, if we think about our high school students, the idea of sponsorship is is totally like even for our high school students not that not being on the radar at all the report talks a lot about our first gen students if our high school students don't know as as seniors they're not going to just magically know as freshmen to mm-hmm. say oh hey i'm looking for a sponsor right <laughs> and that's not something that i feel like is really built into our systems you know we were talking a little bit earlier today about internships and kind of where some of those things come from and where that builds but when we think about just where do those connections come in that are going to grow over time that really are I think there's when we look at the overtime piece of mentorship we jump to these things and we say these are the things mentors do like I just show up in this relationship and it just it just happens I met you sponsor me right. <laughs> but that's not not what happens it's not how it works as you're talking I'm I'm Thinking back to some other other things that I've been reading, talking about intergenerational, multi-generational inter- interactions and relationships, and how now so many of our relationships, especially prior to entering the workforce, each generation is completely segregated, where there's not there's not this this inter- interweaving of where older generations interacting with younger generations, mid generation, you know, just in, in normal course of whether that may be community groups, social groups, religious groups, whatever else that's happening, we, we, we really go back to kind of the school system where it's like, okay, you're in this grade level, and the only people you interact with are at this grade level. And I'm thinking, what's the impact that it has on things like this in mentorship that when you enter the workforce, you don't have anybody that's more senior to provide that level of sponsorship or mentorship because everybody you've talked with is at your same level. And, and I guess you can have peer-to-peer mentoring, but that's missing a lot of what it's talking about here. Now you enter into higher education or you enter into the workforce and you're like, why would we expect this new generation to be able to interact with other generations? Because they, they haven't done it for 18 years, 21 years, 22 years, whatever it might be. 
And so they don't even know how to build that kind of mentor, mentoring relationship because we there is no um, generational I- interaction. I mean, you look at, this is still within that idea of career support. So we're talking a lot about sponsorship, but that is also paired with career guidance and skill development. So there's also probably a piece in that mentoring that's that's moving up to sponsorship as a part of career guidance and skill development. Like, that's a communication thing. <laughs> there are essential skills tied up in there that get to that get to that point in that relationship. Yes, and I, and I think about you know teaching among other things is a, is a really tough career. You know, we think we're in a social environment, but we're kind of on an island by ourselves in a classroom. And so, where do we get that support? And and how, who can help us think about our career or even even just the the day-to-day struggles to realize that you're not alone in those and and we've lived through you know fellow teachers and fellow colleagues across the state and across the country have had those same feelings and so they're they're somewhat natural and and just that mental that mental piece and and I sure that's part of that psychosocial we'll get to but I think that's an important thing to to be part of the mentoring process and the conversations that take place around the coffee table well I think you're right. It's like you're, you feel so alone, but you're surrounded mm-hmm. by people. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think it's just as a, t- I mean, I can remember, I still remember we're in our jobs. Now we are surrounded by people all the time, but I can remember as a young teacher, you're thinking, I feel like I'm all alone, but how can I feel all alone when I have 20, 30 students in my classroom all the time? I've always got people around me. And I think teachers have to say, that's an okay. That's a normal feeling. There's an mm-hmm. understanding to have that to then realize it's okay to reach out to try to have some sort of relationship to fill that void. I think that in itself can be difficult because you're in this position where you're taking care of these 30 other kids for a class period and the next 30 kids and the next, you're always in that mode of it's, it's a caring profession. So to need that care yourself is that's a tough thing. I mean, there's, there's some Mm -hmm. admitting like, Oh, Hey, I, I, there's some admitting I need some career guidance and there are skills I need to develop and I need a spot like needing things is hard. Uh (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's tough to ask for those kind of things when you're used to kind of thriving and taking care of yourself, but also taking care of others all the time. So to look inward and think about what you need as an individual, what types of mentorship, what types of coaching that you need is really flipping the script. And we're so used to, we can mentor these young people, um, ag students, FFA members that are in our classrooms, and that comes naturally. But, man, it's hard to, to, to ask for help and uh, to think about mentoring from that other side. Well, and then, you know, where my brain goes a lot, because as Becky reminds us on a fairly regular basis, Mike is much older than she and I are. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't that guy retired yet? <laughs> Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm... We're going to put a link on there that everybody can Venmo me so I can actually retire so if, <laughs> I'm, if I'm that old, yeah. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. I, might, I might be a little bit older than her, too. <laughs> uh, Just a little bit. But in that stage of the career about, okay, who am I sponsoring? And, and to look out and to understand that kind of what we talked about in the other conversation as we first getting this, this the idea of mentoring going up is we have to look and sometimes... As the mentor, you sponsor without somebody asking. You know, it's not like somebody's going to go say, "Hey, go say something nice to me about 
this person over here. And they may do that from time to time. And we, we may have other, other of us may have done that. Hey, will you introduce me to so-and-so? But also just the idea like, oh, wait a minute. I'm interacting with other crew, this other crowd, or they're looking for somebody that has this skill set or could do this thing, or there's this position that's open. I need to make sure that I'm talking about this, this person that I'm mentoring and bringing this person up. And, and, and I don't know, maybe the mentor never meant the mentee never even knows you say those things about them. I mean, part of me says they should just to know that you're out there, you know, doing this, but not every time they may not know every time you're doing it. Well, I think too, none of these things necessarily are mentoring in themselves. Like we've, we talked a little bit in the last, in the last conversation, how mentoring is a lot of these things together. And so when we talk about sponsorship specifically, it's also not something you have to wait till you're a mentor to do. And you don't necessarily have to be in a particular position to be able to sponsor. Like I don't have to wait till I'm tenured. I don't have to wait till I'm a department head to say, Hey, I'm going to sit with these people that I don't know at lunch and, make that connection or I'm going to introduce them to so like to to so-and-so. So So as I think just being conscientious as we move through this conversation, the things that we talk about while they're associated with mentoring, they're all pieces of mentoring that don't have to wait until you're mentoring to have them happen. And I think that can maybe give a little bit of a release where it's not, I have to do all of these things to be a mentor. I can't sponsor somebody until I'm doing all this other stuff. Well, maybe you're, a sponsor for this person or you're this, because when we look at this list of things mentors do, I mean, how many of those things can we really do well? And for how many people at once? Right. Well, I think that's interesting. Again, the way this particular report has framed mentoring, you're right. You don't have to wait till you can do all of those things. They think, you know, maybe to do all these things is really before you're really a mentor and you're, but you're doing other things until you get to that point, you can sponsor without the full blown mentoring. You can answer questions. You can guide, you can be a, a sounding board along the way. And I mean, for me, it kind of make that again, give a little bit more relief. Like maybe I can't be a mentor for 80 people, hundred people or 20 people, but I can do these other little things along the way that, that help them along in that journey without the being the full blown mentor to them. So under this career support functions, we've we, we really dug into this sponsorship piece, but a couple others that they talk about are career guidance and skill development. So are those intuitive? Do, do those make sense to people in general, or do we need to unpack those a little bit? Clearly by the pause, we need to unpack Yeah, them yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I sit there and I think, you know, Oh, career guidance. So yeah. intuitive. Everybody knows exactly. Right. What it, exactly. Until you're in that moment and you're like, do I do a, or do I do B? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you're like, yeah, I can, there's been a lot of times I picked up the phone and say, okay, it's complicated. Yeah. Here's the deal. How do I talk through all mm-hmm. these different pieces? Um, and again, maybe it's because you're in the moment of time. It seems like as as I've gone through my career, those decisions get more get more complicated than they than they did before. But maybe that's because of, the, of a recency effect. I'm sure the ones that the, <laughs> those first ones were just as complicated. Um, but I think it goes. My, my mind goes back to something when you said in that first podcast, Mike, about trust. To be able to have a real conversation about career guidance. And to be very open and honest that you have to have an extremely high level of trust. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, you may ask somebody else for, hey, should I do this or should I, should I take this job or that job or should I go to this grad school or that grad school and just kind of gather up opinions. But it's going to be that person that you say, well, I got this situation, I got this situation, I'm concerned about this thing, and I want to do, I'm thinking about this crazy idea. You got to have some, some high level of trust to have that conversation. On the high level of relationship. Like we mm-hmm. talked about last time, we were thinking about these relational partners, this mutual responsiveness. Some of my closest mentors are people who are going to point out things that I don't necessarily see about myself in a situation, and not just things that are like Becky's blind spots, like you're going to mess this up, but some of those things where my mentors are also really good about saying like, Hey, this is something you're good at that this would, this would fit with, or this is something I really see you needing that this has or doesn't have Mm -hmm. like, and to have that both that they know those it's, it's not a rehashing of everything that's going on in my life. Every time I enter that conversation, but it's also that kind of like we were talking about with that anticipation and responsiveness. It's, I know enough about you that I can really actually tell you something right. about think, what you're what you're thinking about. I think it goes to that investment of time and that building of relationships because all of a sudden they know the complexity from which you're you're coming at those career decisions and maybe it's professional development, maybe it's grad school like Brian mentioned, or or it is it that career change and they they know about you, they know how you think and what you value and what's important to you and and can really weigh those as you're having those conversations. And that takes time and that takes relationships. What's interesting, again, maybe we're splitting hairs a little bit here, but I think the term in the report is career guidance. Is that correct? I don't have it sitting in front of me. Yeah. And to me, that's different than career advice. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm, I'm coming to you for career advice, to me, that's more of a, okay, Becky, I want some advice on what I should do. So I'm going to sit here and be quiet, and you're going to tell me what you think you should be do what I should be doing next. Where if I'm wanting career guidance, I'm saying, Becky, here's the situation. And then Becky's probably going to be asking me questions rather than giving me information to here's, here's Brian, here's the things you should be thinking about. Here's the things you should be doing to understand the situation and lead me to make that decision about a career rather than just saying, Hey, you need to be doing that. And I think that's goes back to, it takes more time, more of an investment to be it, to be in that level with, with somebody else. It's really easy to give advice. It sure is. And it's generally free. <laughs> and worth what you pay for. Yeah. <laughs> well, but even with what, even as you were talking, this idea, like, I kind of went a different way with the guidance versus advice, where guidance, in my mind, also conjures a little bit of an idea of a trajectory. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's a little bit longer term. It's not just, what's the next thing I need to do? What's the next, what's the next step? What's the next box I need to check? How do I get to this next point? It's really kind of a, how, what are we taking steps toward? And right. it, maybe that gets to that overtime piece of mentorship as well. It's not just what's the next decision. It's what are we setting up for longer term? Kind of to what you were saying, Mike, with what do you value and what's, what's really important beyond just this next mm-hmm. achievement? Yeah, I think it's a great point. And it gets me to be thinking about, okay, with, with our audience and our, our area and our field is, again, we talk about these quote unquote mentorship programs that we do for beginning ag teachers. And I, I, I agree with you. I think, I think career guidance is more long-term, but we also have this immediate need. You've got this first year ag teacher and you're, you're out there playing with, with live ammo on day one. <laughs> how do you, how do you help them? And 
So in this idea of being mentored is, is mentorship the right model, I guess, even, even for that, for that first year ag teacher, or is it a different model? It's going to look different, I think. Or, Or yeah. And then how do you go back and help them understand? Okay. You, you don't have to, you're not signing up to be an ag teacher for 30 years and be carried out horizontal one day. That's, that's not what you're doing. You're signing up to be a really good ag teacher this year and hopefully, you know, three, maybe five years at least. And then, and then make a decision. Maybe it's then going into private industry or going to whatever else to go from there. And so that's, it's interesting how we, how should we set up those relationships and how do we support both the person being mentored and the mentor themselves. Yeah. And I think that's the, probably the one lost part of the conversation quite often is the need to develop and guide and even counsel and coach uh, the mentors and how the roles that they can play and how impactful that they can be as you go through that whole process. Well, I, I can share here at the University of Florida, we found that um, under a lot of the work from Amy Harder and Matt Benge, who's Amy has now moved up to the University of Connecticut to lead the extension program up there. But, you know, we had a mentorship program for new extension agents. And, you know, we, we found there were people that were serving in that mentoring role, best of intentions. I mean, really wanted to help. Nobody was doing anything bad. But there was just some bad advice and, and just those relationships were not being productive. And we had to, we've, we've, you know, say we, they developed a program, a, a workshop session for these folks to go through to learn how to be a mentor. And, and I can remember there was, um, there was some consternation when we first said, hey, before you can serve as a mentor, you need to go through this training program. And they're like, well, I've been a successful extension agent for a thousand years. What do you mean I need to go through and do this? after they did the training and after they saw how much more successful it made them, there's a lot more believers in that sort of thing. Well, in your, your statement about I've been successful, I've done this, I've been in a, you know, for so many years, I think that's part of the the challenge at times. And it was something I jotted down a few minutes ago, but, you know, mentoring is about the mentee and not necessarily the mentor. And how often do you hear some of those where those relationships aren't developed? European, well, I would do this, or if I was in your situation, I would do that. And that's not what we're talking about here. It's, it's getting to know the individual and and providing them some guidance Mm -hmm. uh, based upon um, uh, what their needs are and what's in their best interest instead of what's in the best interest of the person giving the advice. I think a bigger and bigger challenge when we're thinking about the the mobility of the workforce now when you know Brian's talking about you know make it three to five years well it's not just the mobility within a state or district to district it's across careers and it's across state lines and what was your your training so when we think about the mentoring piece of how do we onboard people in terms of of the norms and the different things that we're doing when they don't know anybody in in a discipline or in a state, the relationship piece, I think we really can't understate just how, or can't, we can't overstate just how much before we can talk about what I would do or where I see you being like, got to see you and where you're at. And who are you? <laughs> who are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think about that in, in, in completely different context, but 
in business and industry and everybody that's working from home now. Yeah. How are young people that are entering the workforce and working remotely without any engagement with their peers or any of their managers on up, how are they going to, where are they going to get the mentorship, the guidance and the support so that they have sponsorship and Mm -hmm. how are they going to get promoted if they don't have that type of support? And and I can see this happen in education too. The context is a little different, but you have to have those, those people in place that can, can provide that support as a, as a mentor. Well, you know, working from home is still a thing in education. You know, mm-hmm. I think in a lot of our states, Florida virtual school is the largest high school in the state of Florida. I think I saw those numbers last sometime. And so those teachers, they're working from home, teaching classes completely mm-hmm. online, not even seeing their students. So how are you going to build build that community to yep. do that as well, to have mm-hmm. that, to know you know who to reach out to? And mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm just learning more and more about them all the time. So I don't even know what kind of network they're able to, to, to provide when they're doing that kind of kind of connection out there, you know, and I think we have to think about this piece too, when providing this sort of mentoring is, you know, no one, no one, I'm no first year ag teacher I'm talking to today is a first year ag teacher at unity high school in Menden, Illinois in 1997. Mm -hmm. And so what worked for, yeah, no first year teacher today was alive in 1997. (laughs) No, no, And so I got to make sure that, that hopefully I can share my experience. How do you translate that without just saying, well, this is what I did. And so you should do the same thing. Cause I know there was a lot of people with the best of intentions told me the same thing that I'm like, I tried that and that did not work, mm-hmm. but how do you help them come up with those, those solutions? And um, I, I think there is an opportunity for, we talk about the two way learning that the, the mentor is going to be learning as well to, to do that and really building that kind of relationship. So mm-hmm. Again, it goes back to investing the time, the effort, and the energy, and the intentionality between you know trying to be uh, a sponsor and try to learn the skill development and the and the and the knowledge that they're trying to do to, to be a good mentor. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm look, getting that look like it is time. We have uh, we have done another great conversation here, or at least a great one. I've enjoyed it. Thank mm-hmm. you, Becky. Brian's for- himself on the back yeah i'm gonna, <laughs> gonna put myself on the back i really enjoyed that uh, but uh thank you for being part of this ongoing conversation around the idea of mentorship and again keep thinking about this in a variety of, of of who is mentoring you but also how how you can serve as a mentor for others uh both professionally and in our roles as teachers and so um we're going to continue this conversation as we go throughout this season and really encourage you to be intentional about your mentoring relationships as well. So uh, again, for Becky and Mike, this is Brian. Thank you for being with us today on Owl Pellets. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Check out our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about our guests. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay connected. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. For Mike and Becky, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thank you, and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Fellas, Tips for Ag Teachers.